John 14, 13, I believe it is, says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Love to God is obedience. But when we love God, his commandments aren't burdensome. He's a good father. It's my pleasure his to actually fulfill it. Yeah, his yoke is easy. So it's building a history with the Lord That's right. that makes it easy to submit to him in the present. There is only one way! the power of his resurrection in you and through you. All right, we got Mike back on the podcast. This is this is fun. It is going to be good. <laughs> and we are talking about something that, um, man, is near and dear to my heart. And I know it, it is for both of you guys, but it's what it looks like to be uh, to serve a good master. And, and it really has two sides of it, who the master is mm -hmm. and what the servants should do based on who the master is and what he's called us to. Yeah. Right. And if we understand both, it really, really helps us walk out our lives right and well. Um, and it's not just so that we can impress other people. It really is because we are going to give an account Right. Right. And um, uh, Mike, I would love if you could open it up and, and just, you know, you brought in some scripture about the master and the servant. Um, you want to yeah. just open us up? No, I'd love to. Yeah. I mean, I was just processing with the Lord, you know, knowing that we were going to kind of dive into this topic some more and, uh, and just in my heart, just asking the Lord, like, Lord, why do I live a life of obedience? Why, why is it that I am okay submitting to you as my master? Right? We always say in 33rd, he can't be your savior unless he's your Lord. Right. Right? And so, like, how come when I say you're my Lord, I'm okay with that? No, there's no thing that kind of just rises up inside of my heart. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But yet I know people, they're like, I, it's really hard for me to submit to him as my master. That word just triggers me or that word just makes me feel like, you know, I feel confined. And I'm like, Lord, why, why don't I have that experience? What, what is that? And as I was just spending time with the Lord, talking to the Lord about it, um, immediately, I just felt like the Lord said to me is because you don't, you don't relate to me as master first. You relate to me as father. And honestly, that's what came to my heart. And uh, I realized in that moment that I can submit to God as my master. I can submit to him as my Lord. I can submit to his authority in my life, to his correction in my life, because I know him as my father first. And I can trust his love for me. I know he loves me. I, he's not going to, uh, I think sometimes when they, people hear the word master, they think of slave driver, mm -hmm. to be honest. And if we were to be real, I've met lots of Christians who think the Lord is a slave driver and they live their lives like that. Right. In, in absolute fear of God striking them down. And I'm not saying that God does not judge. There is judgment. 
and there is a place of repentance. There's a place of turning our lives uh, away from selfishness to living for him, taking up our cross and whatnot. So I'm not saying there's, there's not judgment. We see that in the new Testament and in the old, right? But first and foremost, he's a father and Jesus who's perfect theology, right? He is the visible image of the invisible God. When he came to earth, he came and he had a very unique revelation of who God was. And he came and he revealed him as father. When the disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. He didn't say our God who art in heaven. He didn't say our master who art in heaven. He said our father. He wanted us to relate to him as father first. Um, I led a ministry school for a while in California. And one of the very first things we would teach on in the school was uh, our identity and God's identity and, and how to relate to God. And I was in an environment that, um, mm, I want to say this the right way. Uh, it was not hyper-religious, but there could be some religious mindsets. Let's just say that. And worried about, you know, if I mess something up, God's going to be displeased with me and my life's going to fall apart or he's going to strike me down. Judgment's going to come. And uh, there's very, very little grace in, uh, in the view of the Lord. And so one of the things that I would say that, it sounds a little controversial, but it's very biblical is that I believe that um, I want to make sure I say this correctly is that uh, he's, he's father before he's God. And people go like, Ooh, that feels, you know, like heresy a little bit. That's, that's like, ouch. But I'm like, if Jesus is perfect theology, right? Jesus has the perfect revelation of who God is because he was God in the flesh how did he reveal him? He revealed him as father. He wanted us to approach God as father. And it's not that I, I want to make sure I clarify that God is father and he is also God very much. So it's not diminishing either, but our relating to him is more, I guess what I'm speaking into. We should be relating to him first and foremost as father before I feel anything else. And if we don't do that, there's going to be a level of intimacy we'll never attain with him. Right. Because I'm going to relate to my father way different. Than I'm going to relate to my master. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm able to submit to God's authority, to his correction in my life, to him being my master and all these things in a healthy way. I'm able to yield to all those things in a healthy way because I know him as my father first, because I know his love for me first. And therefore I'm able to have that, that relationship with him. And it's not that, it's not that, um, you know, I'm a son, I'm also a servant, but I am, I mean, Chris was just saying this earlier, sons serve. That's, that's very biblical. Sons serve. And uh, we see that in the story of the prodigal son, right? Like the, the, the son that didn't leave, who was there, who got angry when his brother came home and whatnot. He's like, I've served you all these years. And you, not, you didn't even kill a goat for me. You didn't do this. You know what I mean? But he had been serving his father. And, and sons serve. That's what we do. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. 
He was the son of God, but he came to serve. Mm-hmm. So sons serve, but I would say that it comes from a place of son, sonship. My yielding to God as master comes from a place of sonship. And there's a scripture that I feel the Lord was speaking to about in John 15, uh, starting in verse 13. It says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I've heard from my father I have made known to you. Right. And so there is this, and it's hard. And it's not... uh, I don't know what you call it, a paradox, because it's, we are servants, but yet Jesus doesn't relate to us as servants anymore. We're seen as sons, but our duty, our responsibility, which I think we're going to dive into a little bit more responsibilities and whatnot in this role, but we still serve. That's what sons do. Yeah. So good. I'm like, I got three different, there's so many different ways we could go from this. Totally. A lot. And, and this one's important. We can take the time to unpack yeah. some of this. I think when you talked about sonship, I instantly thought Hebrews 12. Mm. And and it's this, you know, this idea, Hebrews 12, 5, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said... My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Yes. And don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Come on. And it's 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 almost like in our culture today, the word punishment, the word correction, because as just as you're talking. There's a lack of true fathers. Yes, come on. And I want to share a story, and I think this is going to bless a lot of people. I think I shared this with you. I was was in Walmart, self-checkout, getting a few things for the house. And there's a grandmother who's with her two grandchildren. This happened just a couple weeks ago. Grandma loses her mind. She starts (laughs) screaming at the top of her lungs, you guys are horrible, terrible, stop. Like, I was so embarrassed for this, the whole situation. I'm just like scanning groceries, just like not praying. How can I be involved in this? And uh, I hear the Lord say, be a dad. I just turn, I say, hey, grandma, do they have a dad? And, And she goes like, well, you know, barely, like, no, can I be their dad for a minute? Yeah. So I turned and I looked at the oldest one and I said, I said, listen, you cannot act this way. Just instant tears. Wow. Right. She turns, she hugs grandma. Grandma's like, I love you. Little ones hugging them. Before I left, they're all hugging me. Like God's moving because I stepped in and I brought correction. I spoke a word of correction and, and the world today, because we haven't seen that modeled in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So we we push away from it. I when when people say to me, I'm angry at God because of I'm like, I don't even have a grid for what you're saying. Like what? <laughs> Because again, my whole framework is God as good. So you have this, uh, another key scripture that goes along with this. And um, it's, it's in uh, Matthew 7, verse 9. You, you parents, if your children ask you for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you are sinful, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Right. That's right. How much better is he? But because we've blurred the lines of what good is. Right. We think, well, that correction didn't feel good. Right. I mean, read the book of Proverbs, for goodness sake. Right. Like, like a wise person heeds correction, direction, isn't lazy, isn't slothful. I mean, it literally, the book of Proverbs, you're like, well, that doesn't, that doesn't sound loving or that doesn't. And in today's culture, parents are trying to be their kids' friends. So for me, um, with mm-hmm. Noah, my son, I'll use my son because he's my boy. Right. I don't count to three. I'm not like, hey, Noah, one, two, and then hope at three he comes like he runs. I don't want to train my son to obey the number three. I want to train my son to obey my voice. Come on. So Noah. No response. Noah Donald, obey your father's voice. Whew runs in, right? If I have to discipline him, if I have to spank my son, right? When I spank my son, he hugs me and embraces me because he knows I love him. And there's a purpose behind what I'm teaching him. It's not out of anger, right? It's out of, so, so this is my framework with God. God loves me. He's going to work everything together for good. He gives me good gifts. He's going to bring correction and discipline. And if needed, if I begin to stray, would a good father not punish me? Right? Would he not afflict my flesh to save my soul? Yeah. I I had... Gosh, I think this was last week, a very intense day with my oldest. And um, he literally didn't want to listen to a word. And, and, and so there was growing consequences, like to the point where I'm like, he doesn't even know. Yeah. And I realized, <laughs> I, I realized, I go, there might be also a lack of instruction here. Right. And, but he didn't want to listen. So instead I went in and I asked him, I said, Ethan, you know, like a, a king, they, they have obligations, right? I go, what, what are some of the obligations a king has to the people that he rules over as well to protect them? And I go, yeah, absolutely. To protect them. 
You know, what about um, provide when, when necessary, if they can't provide for themselves? Uh, is he responsible for the nation? Yeah, he is. Okay, does, does the king also have to enforce the laws of the kingdom? And he goes, well, yeah. And I go, is he also under those same laws? And he said, yeah, it is. And I go, so if a king knew that there were laws and expectations he knew what they were, and he also knew it was his role to do it, to enforce it, and he didn't. Is he a good king or a bad king? And he goes, well, he'd, he'd probably be a bad king. I go, yes, I'm your father. <laughs> on, I went man. right into it. And, and it, it's amazing because I said, I, my job is to protect you. My job is to provide for you. My job is to also teach you the expectations, the laws of God and of, of our home, and also to enforce them. If I don't do that, am I a good father or a bad father? And he didn't want to answer the question. Well, he already answered it. But he already wow. answered it. Yeah. But it's a, it, it diffused the entire situation in a second because he knew that the enforcement came from a place of both responsibility and love for him. And he had to do it through another example. But like it even it even spoke to me. And it, it's it's the same thing we're talking about with God, fatherhood, everything. It's... I love him so much. I don't want him to make decisions. And I will actually, at this point, restrain him from making decisions that are catastrophic in his life. Right. Like, I will put up a barrier he cannot cross. Right. It says God resists the proud. Yeah. But gives grace to the humble. Mm -hmm. So if you have a theology that God won't resist you, you're most likely being resisted. Proud. You're proud because you've created a God in your own image and your own likeness. Where Jesus comes, right? Jesus's message, pick up your cross, yeah. follow me, right? This, this idea of denying self. He denied himself, right? Because he, he didn't want to drink the cup. But he did that because he knew ultimately that that's what he was to do. Yeah. Right. And he came to be obedient to what his father sent him to do. So Jesus isn't asking us to do something that he hasn't already himself That's done. Right. And then when I think about like Mike and I's relationship, okay, so Mike comes from LA. He, he joins 33rd company in, in a sense, I'm leading Mike mm -hmm. in, in different things. Um, and, and we're, we're in this journey together. I'm, though, actively doing everything with Mike. <laughs> Mike, let's pray. We're praying. Mike, let's go on outreach. I'm on outreach. Mike, let's do discipleship. I'm doing discipleship. Mike, let's clean up after, after belong. I'm the last one to leave. Yeah. So then when I have to be in Toronto to do something or Montana to do something or Brazil, Mike's going... Well, Chris would be here with me in the trenches doing this, but he's not here. He's doing something else. So I'm going to do it and show other people how yeah. to do it. So when I think about Jesus as like, he's doing it with me. Then I'm like, oh, and not only that, he sent the Holy Spirit to do it through us. Yep. So 
when I think laboring, when I think serving, when I think doing things for the Lord, we're doing it with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus. Jesus is interceding for us. It's not like this absent God that's like, do this work. He's the head. We're the body. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what What a greater, like th- th- there was a moment, there was a day where I was um, out moving irrigation lines on the farm. And, you know, I think I shared this maybe on another podcast as well, or I, I've shared this somewhere where I'm out working and, you know, the, the guys on the forum would always say, oh, we used to move those irrigation lines in minutes. You know, it would be 15 minutes to move that line. Well, yeah, that's when they weren't full of rust and bent and broken 25 years later, right? So I'm out there, a riser breaks, all this stuff happens. I'm in tears, like as like a 17-year-old, 16-year-old. My, my dad comes out who had been working all day all morning already, and says to me, don't worry, we'll finish this together. Wow. So could he have done it without me? Could he have, and he said, no, no, we're, we're going to do this together. So it was, there was another moment where I, see, I just had a good dad. Like, I love you, dad. There was another moment I was out working on the farm and we had these big garbage trucks and they had, Garbage trucks that we'd put like chop silage in corn, we'd we'd back them up and you'd you'd push it out into the barn. Well, we loaded it up with, with a bunch of like sticks and debris, and I was going to go out and dump it in a fire fire pit area. Well, I back up when I check the mirrors, I don't see a tree, and uh, and I back up and I run into a tree, like just <laughs> smack it, totally creases the whole back of it, door won't open up. I come back and my dad already knew that I learned the lesson, right? But I have, I have two uncles. Uncle Steve didn't have kids, so he didn't understand how to work with kids. So it was like he was frustrated. My Uncle Jim, he was just frustrated. It was just, you know, but because I was my father's son, it wasn't just I was an employee. I was his son. So they were frustrated, right? Rightfully so, because I was pretty. It was pretty bad. Um, and my dad just stops the conversation, and he says, "Hey, son, listen. The way I look at this, this doesn't matter in eternity. So it doesn't really matter. You go back to work, and I'll fix this." I remember that day. I'm driving around the farm doing stuff, and he's in the back with the welder fixing my mistake. So my framework for father isn't this absent dad that's barking orders and telling me what to do. It's a father that prepared me to be a good worker so that then when I would go out and do work, every job I've ever had, my bosses have said, you're the best worker we've ever had. So now God's like, well, yeah, have a ministry. Why? Because you know how to work. Mm-hmm. Who do I work for? I got to work for God, right? So, so that's my framework. Like that's how I look at things. And I think because people haven't seen a model of what a good dad is, yes. they get 
they get off and they don't understand that even the best physical father is still sinful compared to God the Father. That's right. There's a word that keeps coming to mind in everything that's been shared. The word is history, and what what I've noticed is, is, Chris, your son can listen to you as you gave the analogy about a king and his kingdom. Because, one, there was something you explained to him, you painted a picture that was easy for him to grasp. But if he had, you know, 10 years of you beating him and abusing him and everything like that, it doesn't matter what story you would have told him. His heart would not have been able to trust and submit to even the picture you're painting for him. Same with you, Chris, with your dad out in the field working on the farm. You had history with your dad being a good father to you. Right. And you were able to just yield to him, to trust in him, and to, to come to him. Same with, this came to mind first when you're talking about when you discipline Noah how he hugs you and he knows that you love him and that's why you're spanking him because you don't want him to grow up to be a mess. So you're disciplining your son. There's a history with God or a history with you guys, sons to fathers that allows your son's hearts to trust and to submit to the discipline, to the chastening that you're actually going to give them. Right. And it's so much the same way with God. We can yield to God as our master, which is such a strong word. When you think about that, that word master is like, Ooh, like you're in charge. Like you're the head, you're the, you're the man of the house. Like, like, like there's authority that comes with that word master. And to some, it can be scary because they don't know a good father. But when you have history with God and you know, he's been good to you through so many things, he's walked you through time and time again. Right. You look at the life of Jesus and you see time and time again, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, sweating blood saying, father, if there's another way, please let there be another way. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He can completely abandon his life and step into one of the most horrible things he ever encountered because he knew his father had been faithful the whole previous 33 years of his life. He's lived with a good father. And so for us, I just think of my own case, like coming here to Texas, all right? I had no clue what to expect. My family didn't know what to expect. We are literally stepping out of the boat, walking on water. We came uh, off an invitation from Chris, who I think we shared in a previous podcast. You were like, hey, listen, I'm not going to hang out with you all the time. We're not going to be best (laughs) friends. I can't pay you this, you know, X, Y, and Z. But we're like, we were hungry, right? And so we came out out of hunger, honestly. But we also came out of, one, we knew Chris somewhat a little bit previously. And we're like, we trust him. He's shown nothing but trustworthy qualities so far. And he's, he's backed up his, what he said with his mouth, with his character, with his lifestyle and just watching his life and, and what others have said about him, honestly. And, and also because we felt God saying to go and I'm like, okay, Lord, you've led us through so many previous seasons. I can trust I can yield to what you're asking us to do. I can submit to it. Even though I can't see what's up ahead, it feels scary. It doesn't make any rational sense, but I'm going to trust and I'm going to lean in because you're a good father. And I believe you're going to get me. You know how to get me from A to Z. Right. You know, um, I I forget how the saying goes. It's, it's, but we can get way more accomplished and I'll give you the mic version of it just because I don't, I'm going to butcher the other way, but we can get way more accomplished through allowing a father to love us than we ever will striving to please a master. Yes. Way more. 
I let my, if I, if I spend time with my heavenly father and I feel his pleasure over me and he's proud of me, uh, man, I'll leave the room like a roaring lion. Mm -hmm. But if I wake up in the morning, I'm like, Oh my gosh, God wants me to be obedient. I have to go and please this, this slave driver, my master. I have to make him happy today. Otherwise, Oh my goodness. I'm scared. What's going to happen to me and my family. Oh my gosh. The weight of that. I'm going to crumble. Who's not going to crumble under that? Right. There's no way. But no, we have a good father. I know I have a good father. And so I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is, is I receive his love. Right. And the word of God says we love because he first loved us. Right. Mm -hmm. But what is love? John 14, 13, I believe it is, says, if you love me, you obey my commandments. Love to God is obedience. But when we love God, his commandments aren't burdensome. He's a good father. It's my pleasure his to actually fulfill it. Yeah, his yoke is easy. So it's building a history with the Lord That's right. that makes it easy to submit to him in the present. You said it perfectly. <clears throat> Every encounter where we experience love as the end result, whether it's from obedience or disobedience and ending up experiencing a chastening in love. Right. Every encounter only reaffirms we can trust him. Yes. Which allows us to do the work he calls us to next with full trust and confidence, expecting a loving result. It's It, it never stops building. And that's where faith comes in. I can think... Like I look back and the things that the Lord has asked me to do that I do now, I couldn't have dreamt <laughs> right. of doing before because I didn't know who he was yet. Right. Not the way I do now. And, and because, he, because I expect whether success or failure, I'm going to experience love and I'm going to grow because he has nothing but good plans for me. As his son, it is so easy to serve him as master. Yeah. It really is. And and there are times he goes, go down that road. And I look at it and I'm like, do you realize all I see yeah. is destruction? Right, right. All I see is like my life ending. All I see is... Like there goes any reputation on earth there. All I see is pain. All I see is loneliness. And he goes, but I'm there. Right. Mm. I'm like, like that used to not be enough. <laughs> I used to need like reassuring words. Right. Now I'm like, Oh, right. you're there. It's going to be, I, I don't see any other path now. <laughs> like, Cause I want to be on the one you're on. Yes. I want to learn the lessons you have for me. I want to grow in the way you, you, have prepared for me and it's only down the road you called me yeah. i'll do it i'll do it and i'll do it as a servant i don't yes. need i don't need to be paid right i don't i don't need the cow slaughtered i'm in your house Come on, right man. you know yeah i think you know to begin to wrap this up everything in the kingdom's held in tension it's mm -hmm. true and there's ditches on both sides so you know I'll try to keep all my. I'm so glad you're about to go there, Chris. Things in, yeah, but on, you man. know, there's there's one ditch which is, Papa God, <laughs> which I'm okay with if you want to pray and call him Papa. I'm okay with that. But there's this whole, right. He loves me, right? And then there's another ditch, which is I'm just a horrible, wretched person, and 
I hope one day to make it to heaven. And those are both dangerous ditches to fall into. And, and Mike, and we've just kind of, we've kind of bounced around it. And so what I want to come back to is the only way we know who the father is, is through his word. It's the word of God, not through our experience, nor even what we think good is. Okay. So if we don't get the word in us, then we don't know. I mean, Jesus was the word, right? In the beginning was the word and the word was God and word was with God and the, the word became flesh and Jesus is the word and we've got the word right here. So when you read things like count it pure joy, yeah. when you face various trials and testings for it produces in you, right? So for me, God is not concerned fully about my day to day or my week, or my year. He's concerned about my eternity. You stand before him one day. So we've all heard it said, but I don't think we get it in really in its full magnitude. This world is a dressing room for eternity. Right. And so he's working selfish ambition out of us. He's working fear out of us. He's working selfishness and pride and uh, envy. So, so a good father is going to work these things out of us. And there is no better way, I'm going to go there, to work this out of somebody than to have somebody get to work. We've all seen the kid that comes from a million dollar family. <laughs> its life is an absolute train wreck because everything's been handed to them. So God loves this thing called work. And it was always a part of his design. He put them in the garden, be fruitful, multiply. They were meant to expand the garden around the entire earth. Work is not a, like a bad four-letter word, but we have turned work and labor and discipline and these things into being negative things. And then people and the church, I'm not going to say any names, they look at me and they say, you're too focused, you're too driven, you work too much, you push too hard. No. Come on, man. When I stand before him, yes. every day I come to him as father. But when I stand before him, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Yes. So every act of obedience, yes, is expanding God's kingdom here on earth, but it's preparing me to meet him one day. And if we lack that perspective, then we think, we actually become so kingdom now focused that we forget about the kingdom that's coming, but there's a kingdom that's coming and there's a king that's coming. And yes, he's our father, but he's also our judge. Yes. And so there's this tension that we live in and, and to what this, this hyper spiritual place that people live. I don't live that way. 
Like I didn't wake up this morning and go, man, I got to obey God. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to, oh man, I've got to, okay, what decision am I going to make? How am I going to make it? What's, what's God saying? I woke up today in perfect peace, in perfect rest, in the presence of the Lord, confidence because I know my father loves me. If I back into a tree or I can't finish job, it's not about the job. It's about running the race with endurance. He could do the job without us, right? But he chooses to have us do it with him so we'll be prepared to be with him. And if we lack an eternal perspective, then we think it's all about now. We get frustrated and we say things like, I'm mad at God. No, you're a fool. He's a loving father. You're not mad at God. You're like, get over yourself. That's what he's helping you try to do. It didn't, it doesn't say deny the devil, pick up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself, pick up your your cross and follow me. So he's going to put us as a loving father in situations that will grow us and prepare us for the coming kingdom. And that to me is a loving father. You know what else, Chris, though? You don't, you wake up in perfect peace and you wake up engaging with God as a father, but you also wake up with the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. That's right. And that's, that's it right there that keeps that balance. Because yes, he's a loving father. Absolutely. But if you only have that and you have no fear of the Lord, you're going to go into that ditch. You're going to run off into the hyper grace. You're going to run off. And I don't even like using hyper grace. Because grace is absolutely amazing when you yes, see it, it for what it is. Grace is literally, this is a covenant of grace we're in. Right. And it's beautiful. But when it's perverted and distorted, that's, you know, there was story. There was a moment I was in church sitting in a pew. And uh, I was just acting like a knucklehead as a little kid. And my, my dad leans over and flicks me in the head. <laughs> and I just sat up. I wasn't angry at my dad. He loves me. Do you know that that moment so marked me that now I have a reverence for God's house? So what do I do when I'm in church? Son, you're in the father's house, right? So it, it causes me, we were at church a couple months ago and moms have a certain voice and dads have a certain voice. And, and Chelsea told him like five or six times, stop. Stop, stop. I just turned and said, hey, guys, boom, just order. Chelsea looked at me and she goes, oh, how much kids need dads. Wow. So it's that idea of the fear (sighs) of the Lord. And so what a great conversation, huh? I probably need to come back to this about 10 more times and keep talking about it. Yeah, and I, I think this is such an important starting point because if you start with the high expectation before you understand the depth of the love, right, it can come down as condemning. But at the same time, I'm thankful we co- we we started to touch on this. It's if you think he's just cuddly Papa when he <laughs> returns, you know, you're you're giving account for everything. Go go read about that cuddly <clears throat> Papa in Revelations. Eyes like fire. Yeah, hair white as wool. Right on a horse. Mm, yeah, mm. no, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's coming. Yeah. But with that right perspective, you know, it, it is. We, we serve willingly 
knowing we give account. That's right. That's right. We fear the one we love so much and loves us enough to pay the highest price imaginable just to have us. Amen. Amen. <laughs>